coaches of the world. Welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. This is episode number 14 and I am Joel and the podcast is all about what does it take to be an extraordinary coach. Today I'm going to be talking with Julio Alaya who is one of the pioneers in the, the field of coaching. We're going to be talking about ontological coaching. So I just checked out, well, what does ontology mean? And it says it is the philosophical study of the nature of being, becoming, existence, or reality. So we're going to explore how that applies to coaching. A few more words about Julio. Uh, as I said, he's considered a pioneer in the field of coaching. And from his bio here, it says, you know, he's been for over 30 years, he's been training uh, individuals, leaders, coaches, uh, CEOs on how to to lead in these times. Uh, he's he's been coaching high profile people, uh, you know, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, governmental figureheads, and even people like the former Chilean president. So we are in safe hands today. What I really loved about this this interview is. What Julio takes a stand for, and he takes a stand for a lot of things in this interview, is, is for cultivating wisdom and not gaining more knowledge. And actually, that shines through. I just listened back to this conversation. Like, he, he doesn't give loads of tips and tricks and five-step plans of, about, you know, how to be an amazing coach. But if you suspend that need for all these tips and tricks, you get something better. After listening back to this podcast, I went and worked with a client and I just had a phenomenal coaching session. Because Julio is saying, as coaches, we should not get caught in one of the really prevailing coaching paradigms out there, which is about let's get more effective and let's solve let's solve things and actually he's saying no we should instead we should have radical curiosity we should we should cultivate awe and wonder and that's what i did in my coaching session and um we went to some phenomenal places if you like this podcast and you know other coaches please spread the word i, I want as many coaches to benefit from this as possible so, yeah, fantastic to be with you today, Julio. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> right. Well, I'm grateful that I get some of your busy time. Um, I'm really excited to dive in today and uh, to explore ontological coaching. That's um, really one of the gifts that you brought into the coaching world. And I want to share um, more about what that is with, our, with the with the coaching community so yeah. um how does that sound i that sounds perfect cool. we can begin right there well i mean I, I i mean i guess the first um obvious question is to ask you what ontological coaching is yeah well let me tell you that just to be clear on this ontology as you well know is that area in philosophy that deals with being. Mm. Uh, every time that we talk about uh, something, 
we have some sense of its being. Even if we talk about language, the ontology of language is what is the being? What is that that we are calling language? But, but the, the, the biggest part of why we call ontological coaching to this discipline is that we are dealing with the understanding that we have of ourselves. So what is our ontology of humans? And probably in the process of this conversation, I will have the opportunity to go more and more into it. But there's one thing that for us is part of a historical inheritance. We understand ourselves fundamentally in our, as separated from each other, which in some domain obviously is so, but when we think our emotional being, uh, even our physical postures in life are connected with tradition, with culture, with ways of seeing the world. Um, one of the things that we tend to fall into is when you said, Julio, I have an issue, could you coach me? Is you probably are going to be thinking of yourself like an isolated being that has this issue because you have some particular features. In other words, we easily transform ourselves in cases. I'm a case. Mm. Fix me. And I said, you know what? We are so far from that. You know, being a British man living in Netherlands, that Netherlands people do not think like British people. <laughs> you have a doubt of it? You, know, you don't only know that. You know that the emotional realm in which Dutch people live is different than when you are in England. The mood of Amsterdam is very different mood than London. So when we begin to look at that and we begin to comprehend that ontologically, we need to begin to take a look at our multiple connections, then coaching takes to a completely different level. This is not about fixing you or giving you some recommendation about how to be more productive, how to do this or that is literally about shifting in somehow, not only intellectually, but in your experience, the sense of what are you talking when you say I, me. Mm -hmm. And my experience when I engage with people about different issues is that, for instance, if I am coaching in Peru, I'm telling you people with issues that may be similar to an issue that a family in Holland lived, they will address the issue in a completely different way. Emotionally, even the way that they will go into the conversation about the issue that took place and how come? You said it's the same issue, needs to be fixed or dealt with in the same way? Well, no, it's not the case. When we talk about ontological coaching, literally what we are saying is that we are dealing, uh, we are working in the coaching process from a different perspective and understanding of what constitutes the I, the self, the me. Let me work with a basic example. If you go, because you have a pain in your chest, and you go to a traditional Western trained physician, 
is going to treat you in a very different way than if you go to a Chinese trained physician. Why? You have the same pain. Yes, but the people that is looking at you look with different eyes and therefore has different possibilities to act. So what happened with our issues in life? Often, we produce the trouble, the difficulties, the breakdowns that we have in life because we have a particular way to see. But that way to see, we don't call it my way to see. We call it, that's the way things are. And then I am trapped in my particular view. Ontological coaching is to take that trap away from the person so that you are free now to begin to see the way you see and choose new places to look from. And therefore, you come up with different possibilities of action. I mean, what I'm appreciating about what you're saying is as well, um, the, the kind of all these different domains or aspects of our ontology of the way we've been constructed that we may be embedded within that we just don't see, you know, culturally. Mm -hmm. um, and, and how as a coach, if we're able to include as many of those as possible as potential doorways into our clients way of being, the more effective we can be at helping them to navigate a potential breakdown and, um, could you say more about um, how do you see people coming in um, to, to coaching? You know, like what brings them in yeah. to coaching? Well, there is, we are living in a very particular world, my dear friend. Uh, and I'm going to make a generalization right now. Let's call it modernity. And modernity was born in the 17th century, 16th century was the beginning of it, 17th century and on. And modernity was a rebellion, a rebellion with uh, a thinking, the, the Middle Ages thinking in Europe particularly. But, but basically what modernity was saying is, hey guys, we have believed everything that the masters have said, the Bible said, the, all the sacred books have said, and we never questioned what they said. As a matter of fact, it was a sin to question what those books said. For instance, in the Middle Ages, you, you never questioned Aristotle or Plato. You never, Aristotle, you never questioned the Bible. That was a truth in itself. But when Copernicus arrived, my dear friend, some big trouble began to take place. He began to make observations, astronomical observations, that literally to accept the result of those observations, you have to question many things that the masters have said. And therefore, a revolution began to take place. It took different shapes. At the beginning was the alignment, and after that we have the, the Industrial Revolution and all those things that happened. But what was that big revolution? Truth can be achieved only by direct experience of things. We can and have the authority to question what other people have said before. And it's not disrespectful, it's just simply a different perspective. Mm -hmm. You know what happened then? Something extraordinary that we have taken lightly in the world. The big fight between the authority of the time in the Middle Ages, I'm talking fundamentally Europe, and these guys that were the empiricists, that were the guys beginning to question what the master have said. Galileo was one of them. 
Kepler was one of them, and later Newton was one of them. When these guys begin to make assertions about some things that were disputing the truth officially established before, and they say, let's test what the master said, the authority of the time could not repress that too long. It was too long, people were killed, sent to the fire, or they were like Galileo in jail in their homes for the rest of their life, etc., etc. And you know what? There was an agreement made, my dear friend, that lives in the core of our common sense today. You know, the agreement was, we are going to divide human experience and human knowledge. The inner aspect of it and the outer part of it. Inner, interior, and exterior. The exterior was everything was material, and science got into that. The inner aspect, the authority said, that's for us. We are going to deal with the spiritual issues, emotional issues, meaning, purpose, all of that. And when that division was made, we create a whole new reality for humankind. Science developed the full strength of its thinking into the exterior aspect, what we call objective. And the inner aspect of human knowledge was called subjective and got into the kind of second place importance. The education today is focused fundamentally, almost exclusively to the exterior aspect of things, we left our soul abandoned. Mm. People come to coaching because they can't stand any more information, explanation that comes from that realm of the exterior world. How do I deal with my pains, meaning, purpose, Mm. all my emotional realm, my spiritual territory? Mm. That is why people come to coaching. Because the education that we receive, and I am attributing that to bad intentions of anyone. Of course not. It's an historical drift. But people today, and I have that experience, I have had in my rooms thousands and thousands of people. I'm telling you, people come with pains, with issues, that you are not going to deal with them by giving them information. You need to address that in a completely different understanding of what learning is. Let's coach. And so presumably then as a coach, that's where you can support them. Like I know you talk about this breaks in transparency um, uh, that that we encounter as people when perhaps, um, you know, we no longer can work out the way ahead. We're questioning our lives and, you know, we can't just find the answer in information out there. You know, it seems like there's nothing on the horizon. And so we feel stuck in some way and um, that can create, you know, um, and we want something different. We're longing for something different perhaps, but we don't know what that is. And so could you talk about what that break in transparency is and how you begin to work with it as an ontological coach? Well, the break in transparency There are many ways to look at that. But let's say transparency is, um, (laughs) I want to put it in a particular way right now, but we we can move in other ways to put it. Transparency is that you call your views the things the things are. Or have a particular understanding of for instance, um, uh, astronomy, 
Just to put it, for example. But you don't say this is my particular view, understanding of that. You say that's the way it is. Mm. But if you enter into the thinking of astronomers of different ages, you will see that they saw the universe very differently, literally very differently. They explain it very differently. And I'm talking about astronomy. We can get into a closer issue. We can talk about our world of emotion. We can talk about our understanding of the relationship with the neighbors. We can understand our, uh, what, how we understand organizations today. But we don't say, or I understand organization, or we have built this kind of organization. We say that's the way they are. Mm. So at the moment that you call your view the way things are, you are living in a full transparency. You think, but you are unaware of your thinking. You, you see, but you are un, unaware of your seeing. Mm. That is, for me, the essence of what we are talking here in breaking transparency. We are trapped by a particular vision. Look, I learned the word in Spanish, my dear friend. Mm. I was born in the extreme south of South America, the, the son of Spanish father that was a refugee from the civil war in Spain. You know, when I traveled for the first time in my life and I went, I came to the USA, well, I, I was shocked. People here see reality, discuss issues, relay with each other in a very different way than the way I was used to. Mm. How come? Well, very simple. They're weird. They're strange. They're we that kind of explanation. Right. But it was incomprehensible for me that they literally see the world differently. Mm. Because the world is one. It's all like, take a look, everybody sees the same. That's one of the most brutal illusions of humankind. Mm. You look there, you will see everything that there is to be seen. Mm. And I want to give you a little example. Take a look at the sky by yourself, a starry night. And take a look at the sky the next night in the company of an astronomer that start talking to you. Mm -hmm. I assure you, you will see a different sky altogether. How come you have the same eyes? And not only that, my dear friend, take a look at the sky next night in the company of an astrologer and you're going to be another sky. Mm. Well, but when I saw the sky the first night, I saw that I was, I thought I was seeing everything that is to be seen. That is the brutal illusion in which we live. Mm. I like that analogy. So presumably that's the, what, a, what a coach can begin to do is to, is to help the client to see um, the, the you know, in some way to separate their experience out from their interpretation of their experience to, um, you know, to begin to help them make distinctions um, and, and observe the assumptions that they were making about who they were and the world um, so that that then creates new choices or new possibilities. Yeah. Uh, in other words, a coach brings the coachee to be an observer of the observer that he or she is. Right. I observe, but I never observe how I observe. My observation is taken for granted Beautiful. until I have a good coach. Yeah. yeah. Until I have a good coach. Hmm. 
Um, so how, how do you, um, how do you support somebody who's maybe experiencing, um, you know, um, like I, I guess if I connect it to coaching people come in cause they're maybe they're leading in a position in their work or maybe they're built, they're creating a new project and maybe that they're in some way it's stretching them beyond who they know themselves to be and creating this breaking transparency. How, how would you begin to, you know, help them to observe the way they observe, observe themselves? Well, I don't have a straight answer like this way because right. we're entering a conversation. But I would say there is a particular realm that is very critical to consider. The context in which you and I talk is a good part of the content of what is possible between you and I. If I, I relate with a person from a place of suspicions, uh, I suspecting whatever, versus I relate with that person in a place of trust, even if we say the same words, literally one by one, the meaning of each of them is different because the context is different. Don't forget that the word context means what it gives meaning to the text. Therefore, I engage with someone. The first thing is, what is the context in which this conversation is going to take place? I'm going to. So there are a couple of things, for instance, that are of the essence in coaching. Respect is one, um, which is could be understood as fundamentally granting legitimacy to the other person. The other is acceptance. The person that comes to you is where it is. It's not right, wrong. It's just where it is. Mm. And that they need to hold it in complete acceptance. That's the way um, there are places that are so extraordinary in coaching to move on. But one of them is reflection, which in our world is very scarce, by the way. A place of serious reflection, profound reflection, which gives, is a big challenge to modern education because in modern education to know is to have answers. You, you, you get grades because you have good answers in a school. You never get great, good grades because you have questions in a school. Mm -hmm. So we are so attached to have answers and thinking that answers is knowing. Then you get a lot of answers and you are stuck anyway. And then you read a book about it and you get more answers about that. Then you keep doing the same. Only that with more answers, of course. So what what is essential in coaching is to recall the power of questions. Is to bring the power of wonder, of awe, of amazement by asking again. We human beings live with a lot of answers for questions that we never asked. Mm -hmm. That's what a culture is. What about asking them all over again? Inviting to ask questions all over again. Uh, so for a coach, a coach is an, is an invitation in coaching to ask questions, to wonder, to go into amazement, to fall in love with not knowing as an essential step in learning. So 
instead of going straight to the topic, I go straight to the topic with you, you know what's going to happen. We're going to talk about the same thing you have been talking for. Mm-hmm. What if we change the place where we talk about that? What if we go into a place of questions and wonder rather than, okay, let me solve the issue. Mm. So for a coach, the place of conversation is as important as, is, I would say, the context is of the essence in coaching, of the essence. Mm. And some people call coaching a conversation that is hooked in one single realm. Let's be more effective. Let's be more effective. Let's be more effective. I said, you know what? I got people that are sick to death and they are damn effective. Mm. Now, I am saying that effectiveness is not important in coaching conversation. No, in some cases it is. I don't dispute that. But when we are trapped in that thing about effectiveness, this is part of the drama of our times. Everything is transforming effectiveness, in productive, being productive. I said, well, you know what? You have no idea, my friend, how many people in programs that I've led come to me and I say, I was a slave of my effectiveness, mm. of my wealth. People with money as much as you can think, unhappy as I've never seen people before. Mm. And then suddenly there's a completely different conversation available. But it was not ready for them because they bought one thing that belongs to modernity. Well, we know in order to be effective. That's all. Mm. We know in order to produce more. That's all. Well, you know, um, that equally becomes one of those, I don't know what to call it, but like um, the, the water that we swim in, yeah? You know, one of those assumptions that we've just bought into that suddenly um, is a lens through which, which we see everything, which... Yeah you know, creates certain possibilities, but actually also diminishes a lot of other possibilities. Oh, yes. So um, what I like about what you're saying is, you know, we're inviting people into really being in, the, in, in a place of curiosity and mystery yeah. so that something, something genuinely novel can emerge. Exactly. Otherwise, you are condemned to your knowledge. In other words, do, when I say that, I don't say that with disrespect. For instance, my tradition, your tradition, I'm not disrespecting them. I'm saying any tradition brings with it blindness. It brings with it a lot of gifts. Of course it does. But a lot of blindness too. And when circumstances in the world change, and we keep facing this with the same eyes we changed in previous circumstances, I'm going to tell you the possibilities of failure and pain are huge. Huge. So, for instance, uh, I spent some time with the Schwarz people in the Amazonian forest in Ecuador. I lived with them for 12 days. Mm. They have a completely, completely different perspective of reality that we have. You know how it's easy to deal with that? He said, they are wrong. <laughs> it's so easy. They're wrong. That's it. Period, they're wrong. They are, 
And, and then of course we end up with a lot of uh, assessments that are very derogatory. Like they are primitive, they are this, they are that. No, they are human beings. They deserve all my respect, complete respect. And they have a different view of reality. And therefore they built a different world around them. I have conversation with them. I never had with any other human being in my life. They taught me tons and tons. And they gave me eyes to see that I never imagined that, that, that possibility to see ever. But out of respect, out of listening, instead of simply saying they don't match, you don't match with what I already know, therefore you are out. Mm -hmm. so and when, when I, I've been in your country, my dear friend, and I realized a worldview very different to the one I was born in, or when I've been in Asia, when I've been in uh, parts of, um, in Australia, for instance, I'm beginning to realize, wow, what many different, and everyone who lives in that place thinks that you are thinking just because you are you, a you isolated. No, you are thinking out of a tradition that is taking you regardless. You are thinking because you belong to a drift in history and thinking the highest level of what we call thinking is the capacity to be aware of that awareness in which you have lived so far. Mm. And for me, that is the essence of coaching. And I've seen in people transformation that truly by all means, by other people, it's considered unbelievable. I can't believe this person doing this or performing this way or dealing with their children this way or dealing with, how come? Well, let me tell you. The other aspect that is essential to consider in this conversation is we, are, we don't only see <clears throat> physically with the eyes, we see with all our understanding. But because we left the whole realm of the emotions outside of knowledge, even more. If you look at the tradition of René Descartes, for instance, mm. for René Descartes, the emotional world was a problem to think. Thinking was a mental thing, was it? I think, therefore I am, remember that. Mm. Okay, so today what I do, at least in the coaching I practice and I teach, is knowledge is inseparable from the emotional world. If I know in gratitude, my knowing is very different than someone that has the same quote information and lives in resentment. Mm. We, don't know, we don't know the same, we don't. Mm. So if you look, uh, for instance, I don't know if you have visited places, I wouldn't name them, but I've been in places where distrust is a cultural thing. You're constantly questioning. Nobody tells you, but you're thinking that you're thinking different than you're saying. But you know what? Knowing in that particular realm produces very different results than knowing a place where trust exists. When I have people from those places where distrust is so heavy and they are finally aware of distrust, they realize that they have called their distrust before with the one little word, 
they call their distrust wisdom. I'm wise. <laughs> I'm wise. I'm, I'm wise. What are they saying? I always have a thinking that what you are saying must be going to a place that you are not really saying. And get what? When I coach a person like that and that person discovers that has been enslaved mm-hmm. in that emotion, you know the opening that that is? Mm-hmm. You know the breakthroughs that I've seen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can tell you about other emotions and other places, but that one is very easy to... Well, I think, you know, it's because that I think there's two ideas about change. And one is that it's hard, you know, change takes time and it's hard yeah. and it takes work. And I think there's something in that for okay. sure. But there's, the, there's this other side, which I think there can be these insights, you know, where something is revealed that wasn't seen before that and it changes everything. And okay. in some way, it's a bit like the movie, The Matrix, you know, once you've seen it, you can't go back. Yeah. Well, actually, one of the things that would be understandable that learning may have different speeds in some different moments and different ways. For instance, I said to my students, learning is never a straight line up. Learning has regressions and moments that you fall back and doubts and yeah, it's all that. Uh, but if learning is understood as the reception of information, change is going to be very difficult. You may have tons of information, tons about a topic. doesn't mean that you're going to change. Your emotional realm has not been touched. Your attachment to some particular truth has not been even dealt with. but in our education today, and this is one of the biggest disappointment, universal disappointment, is so focused in information and practices. For instance, I could say, and this is very painful to look at, our education in the world and in some countries more than in others has been transformed in training for a job. We go to school in order to get a good job. Can you imagine what human beings have done with knowledge and wisdom? Transforming that, the pursuit of that, in a training to work. Mm. And then we are suffering. I don't know what happened to me. We abandon every other knowledge. We abandon, to tell you the truth, wisdom. Mm. Because we focus ourselves only in knowledge. Mm. So at the moment, that that begins to be broken and we expand human knowledge is such an extraordinary beautiful experience how can we reduce that to training to job to work mm-hmm. for years and years for centuries the biggest masters in humanity were concerned with wisdom today that concern has disappeared. We are focused only in knowledge. Knowledge, that's more knowledge and more knowledge. Wisdom is out. For me, by the way, at least the coaching I practice, ontological coaching, is more concerned with wisdom. Mm. And I say that carefully and respectfully, but I truly mean it. Wisdom 
wisdom is so different from knowledge in so many ways. Imagine this. Knowledge changes with time, and we see it in science, in everywhere. Look at physics a century ago and physics today. Like, what? Nothing to do one with the other. Look at the physics. I remember when the French Academy in 1900 declared physics is already over. We know everything. So the only thing we now need to do is to just uh, make some adjustment about measurement, but we know already what matter and physics is. And that was declared in 1900. Five years after, a little paper came out that modified, blown away, everything that we knew about physics, and we began to enter into relative, relative theory, and a little later, the quantum theory, and on and on and on. Well, that happened with knowledge. It's changing constantly, and it's fun. You know that wisdom has something that is timeless. because it's not pointed in any particular focus of information or anything like that. Look at another thing. Wisdom is connected with the art of living. Mm. Knowledge, not necessarily. What, what, how would you tell someone what wisdom is? I mean, you know, the, I, I see the irony in that question because yeah. it's like, I'm asking you to give me more knowledge yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about, wisdom. But, about wisdom, but uh, you know, for the sake yeah. of our conversation. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by that, you know, like, yeah. you, you know what the, um, I have, let me see if I have a near, uh, here, hold on a sec. Just a sec. Sure. <sighs> Well, I'm sorry, but I pick up a book that I wrote some time ago where I uh, dealt with this issue. Uh, and, and let me let me tell you the about some of the things that I pointed to. For instance, knowledge has become a possession. You knowledge you can register, you can sell it. Wisdom you cannot do that. Um, um, knowledge be, uh, lives in a territory that is, is, is very human. If you want, let me put it that way: this mine is my knowledge, is your knowledge. I record here, I sell it to you. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, wisdom doesn't live there. The um, Wisdom is more concerned with what is revealed by the world in order to have a good living. Mm. And knowledge is what we learn about the world. It's a different realm, a different drift. Um, I said, I put a sentence there that says, if knowledge lives in thinking, wisdom belongs to light, to soul. Mm. Um, Wisdom is so is always bringing things together. Knowledge is always separating things constantly. That's the analysis. The idea of analytical thinking is dividing. Wisdom is always putting together. It's always concerned with wholeness. By the way, there has been another big issue uh, in, in, 
in, in modernity. We divide everything. If we have very difficult things to put things together, that's part of the ecological issues, among other things. Uh, there's such a profound shift that I think is coming to humanity. Mm. We are going to drop a way of knowing. Not what we know, a way of knowing which is different. And I think that we are witnessing that in every front. We see that in the religious front, we see that in the scientific front, we see that in the political realm, we see that in, in, in economic life. We, we, in, no matter where we look, humankind is a race in which our epistemology, to be precise, that knowing the way we know things is collapsing. Mm. Now, I want to tell you now where I think coaching came from. Mm. For me, coaching came from a desperate intent to shift the way we know and the way we learn. And I say desperate because no matter how much you and I may know about coaching, we know only a little bit of what is coming. Only a little bit. We are nothing that... There's so many wise people in the planet that we need to listen and carefully to them. Uh, when I began the, realm, the walk in the road of coaching, I'm talking in the late 80s in San Francisco, California. Mm -hmm. I was one day in a room in 1985, I think it was. Talking with a lady that was standing a room, maybe 80 people or something like that. And I was interacting with that lady and she sat down and another lady stood up. And she said to me, Julio, I want you to coach me like you did with the lady before. That was the first time that I, I listened to the word coaching outside of the realm of sports. Mm. I never thought of that. I, I thought I was teaching. Mm. But then I wondered why using a different terms than saying, I want you to teach me, she said, coach me. And that was a good glimpse into many of the things we have been talking now. One, because the emotional realm was part of the interaction, the game. The body, the somatic learning was included independently of the mental linguistic realm and all that. So then that, just that interaction was a big teaching to me that modernity has reduced learning to one realm only. The interactive, mental, informative realm, leaving out the human soul, what I call by that is, what I mean by that is our bodies and our emotional realm. Not to mention the spiritual realm which is confused very often with religion, and I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about the spiritual realm. Um, and all of those realms, if we respectfully approach a human being, producing all of them reflections that are impossible to have otherwise. And that is for me coaching, my friend. Mm. Mm. Well, as you, as you kind of point out each of those domains, I notice them in my experience right now. You know, like I notice that I feel a sense of 
uh, deep possibility in this moment. Yeah. And and I feel that in my body, you know, like it's a tingling and openness in my body. And there's an emotion of, of, of joy, like a subtle joy and curiosity yeah. Yeah. And, and, and gratitude. Well, I thank you for saying that because that is exactly what is available. Exactly that. And if that is out of the possibilities between you and I in this conversation, this conversation diminishes mm. no matter what. And go back to maybe what we always knew. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the, you know, I, 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 I think this is a message that, um, I mean, everywhere I look now in coaching, people are talking about um, what it is to meet beyond who we think we are, beyond our professional persona, beyond, um, you know, the, the doing it right, doing it well, and to just meet in that space of potentiality where yeah. two souls come together and dance together. Right. And um, I feel like that idea is, or, or that, I mean, I don't want to call it an idea, but it's a, it's a way of being has, has come of its time. You know, it's needed right. in the world. For me, you said it very well. The time has come. If learning is just about solving problems, my friend, we are in a very little trouble. If it's about the expansion and the joy and the mystery of existence and the, the celebration of the gift of life, you know how many people I've noticed in my programs and I have, I could tell you, I show you a box full of letters, thousands of letters. And now more is, in, is coming into the electronic territory. But anyway, thousands of letters. Almost all of them said one thing. If there's something I learned through your coaching program and through being with you, is gratitude. And that changed my life. I said, wait a second, gratitude. You know the word gratitude in Latin means what is for free? Mm. Gratis in Spanish means free. Mm. No price attached to it. Look at gratitude. Why gratitude? Gratitude is the emotion that generates the possibility of satisfaction. For instance, I'm grateful of being with you today. What I'm saying with that? I don't need anything extra. Well, we should have been three instead of two. We could have, we could have been, you know what, period. Just that life gave me the opportunity to be with you at this moment today, I'm grateful for that. Mm. I can be satisfied and I honestly am at this moment. The place I live, the children I have, the wife I have, the, the parents I did, the the snow that fell yesterday in this town, I am grateful for it. What does it mean? There are gifts. In that moment, there's a shift when we bring gratitude to our life. We begin to add value to what we have instead of just having price. See, we have prices for everything, but we have very little value attached to anything. Mm. When, when gratitude is cultivated, you relate 
with the world. You are a part of the world in a completely different way. And that cannot be achieved by a book with a lot of information. This is achieved by an encounter in what I call a sacred place. And that sacred place of encounter is the place of coaching. Beautifully said. Wow. Um, wow. Um, I want to ask one question. I know we've got to finish in a few yeah. minutes. Um, and what would be one thing you would say to, to coaches listening? Um, if there was one piece of wisdom you could impart. Yeah. Don't ever miss contact with the mystery of existence. Um, bring awe to your conversations. Uh, and don't be hooked in trying to solve problems. And be grateful for the opportunity that someone gives to you by allowing you to be his or her coach. Mm. Got a big right. smile on my face. Yeah. Well, Julio, I want to. I just want to thank you for um, for giving your time and this opportunity we've had to be in this space together. You know, to to be in the in the dance and the mystery together today. So thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate. I wish you well. Thank you, sir. Hi, it's Joel here again. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And just to say again, if you enjoyed this and you think other coaches out there should know about our podcast, I would be so grateful if you shared it. You could do that via social media if you had to the podcast page, which is coachesrising.com forward slash podcast. On each individual page there, you'll find um, share buttons and bars, and you can just click on that and share it. Or you could just tell your coaching friends. I really appreciate that. One other thing, if there's anyone out there you want me to speak to, anyone who's you know, blazing a trail in coaching, they've got just something to say that, you, and you think other coaches should know about that, just drop me a line. I'd love to know who's hot out there I should speak to. All right, I wish you well, and I'll see you again soon.